Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, My Boss Resigned, Part 1. Here we go. Some time ago, we produced a three-part cast called How to Resign. And it's it's a long series, but our recommendations take <laughs> six weeks. Yeah? You, you say that like it's bad. No, it's just, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things in careers. Sometimes there is no easy, quick, five-minute solution if you want to be effective. And this is one of those that just takes a little bit of time. Yeah, well, the, the key phrase there is if you want to be effective, right? There's no easy, quick solution if you want to be effective. I mean, look, there's a movie called Two Weeks Notice, right? Everybody knows you only have to give two weeks notice. And yet, to do it right, you know, we, we planned it, we figured out, we've done it, it takes six weeks. Now, you may not get that much time. Well, if you're, but if you're resigning, which was just hope that you, you've planned it out a little bit. And so it's, it's very possible and, and, and reasonable to expect that you'd have six weeks to execute on it. Yeah. But when your boss resigns, which is what we're talking about this week, it's kind of a different story because you may not know about it six weeks in advance. Yeah. And if, you know, he or she is following kind of the standard guidance out there and giving two weeks notice, two weeks is not a lot of time. Right. And regardless of whether they're doing taking two weeks or three weeks or whatever, they're probably not letting everybody know way before they're announcing it, right? Oh, definitely not. Yeah. 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 Yeah, basically, you've only got usually you've only got a week or two to come to terms with the idea and prepare yourself for the interim, right? The the undefined amount of time between where you have a boss and then you have no boss and then there's a new boss. And look, whether you love or hate the new boss, the time in between is unsettling. Who's that person going to be? How good is she going to be? How bad is she going to be? This is one of those casts that's, you know, taking action within your circle of influence to use a Covey phrase, circle of influence versus circle of concern, will make the time that you have to wait less difficult. And you're going to benefit more from the change and you're going to be more effective during the change as well. Yeah. I mean, it's happening, right? Your, your boss resigned. Why not do something about it and make it as painless as possible or put, put yourself in the position to be successful with his or her replacement? Yeah. You know, I mentioned earlier about how it takes longer if you want to be effective. Well, there's so many people don't know what to do. And so they do what common knowledge is, which is two weeks or, or, or whatever, right? For those of you who have been through a process like this before and the transition wasn't handled very well, don't assume it's always that way. T- take heart. The fact is there are some companies who do succession planning well. And, and, Many of you, probably when you hear succession planning and you hear my boss resigned, you don't connect the two because succession planning, particularly in light of what the modern media portrays, is who's going to take over the CEO slot. And that happens to be succession planning at the ultimate level, right? That's the, that, that is the most important transition because that job happens to be the most singular position in the company. But succession planning means a company having somebody ready to take every role in the organization. Succession planning goes down to hiring people to fill roles that have become vacated because somebody left or got promoted or whatever. It's the entire talent pipeline, if you will. Yeah. And in the most professional companies, it's done at all levels. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. If, and if you haven't experienced that, you need to, because 
you know, just another example of what a professional organization does. Yeah. A manager announces she's leaving and it's practically a done deal who's going to fill their role. Not because the good old boy network's doing it, but because there has been discussions about who is the person who's ready now to take this person's position and who will be ready next. Succession planning happens at all levels, even if it's just a particular executive in a particular division having a backup plan. And having a good succession plan helps when any boss resigns any job. Right. Okay. So regardless of whether or not there's a, an effective you know, succession plan in place for the organization, what can folks do to prepare for the transition successfully and professionally? Yeah. Three things, each of which has subparts, but none of which are terribly difficult. And once you do them one time, it gets easier each time you do it. Three things. You've got to prepare a, a handover document. And it's interesting. It's a, it's a, th- that guidance is a bit like our guidance. For those of you who remember from a few years ago, we had guidance about what to do during mergers and acquisitions, what, how to manage during an acquisition or, or a merger, right? How to prepare a briefing book, right? So a handover document is a bit like a briefing book. It's an operational briefing for your boss and others regarding your role and so on. And then we're step two, we're going to recommend you prepare for a review, which is a good way for you to get ready for your evaluation from the organization and to think about your career and so on. And then lastly, make a proposal about how the interim boss or the new boss might divvy up responsibilities. Actually, the interim boss, how they would divvy up responsibilities during the time between bosses. Since there's going to be jo- there's going to be responsibilities and there won't be somebody in your boss's job. Yeah, that's where you propose that you just take over your boss's job, right? <laughs> <laughs> I even said that once. I said, "Look, you need to make a proposal." And the guy's like, "Really? This is my chance to get my boss's job?" I said, "No, no." It's like, wow. A Napoleon has a great line, which is, "Every soldier has a marshal's baton in his knapsack." And I'm pretty sure it's David Ogilvy who said the famous American copywriter ad advertising company of Ogilvy and Mather said yes, but he shouldn't let it stick out, right? It's okay to be ambitious. It's not okay to go around talking about your ambition and broadcasting your ambition yeah. too much because uh, a haughty spirit is is uh, punished. Yeah, okay, so, so that's not what step three says. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay, we'll come Sorry. back to that. Sorry. Put your Marshall's baton away there, big guy. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> okay, so let's talk about the, the handover document. Now, you mentioned... Um, Mergers and acquisition cast, where we talked about preparation for that. But I also think we did something back in uh, a podcast we did around how to resign, right? We talked about creating a transition file. Is this similar to that or different? Oh, absolutely. Um, basically, we're recommending a document that's going to contain all the information that the incoming manager is going to need in order to understand you, your team, if you have one your workload, your obligations, standing meetings you attend, and so on. If you're the director of a manager who has resigned, you've got to prepare part of the document that the manager is going to be essentially responsible for uh, the moment they take over. Now, Now, look, whether your manager, your boss, uses your input and creates a transition file of his own or her own for the for their successor. It's irrelevant, okay? This transition document will be the basis for any sort of briefing that you would give to the new manager. 
Now, the fact is, we hope your boss will share it with a new manager. We'd love it if all of your peers did it as well. But if not, that's okay. If not, then you benefit because you're the only one that's seen and really as a really high, highly professional person thinking about how your job has to be done and how potentially your boss's job needs to be done. So you've got to get it ready for your outgoing manager to read and to digest before he or she leaves so that if they choose to use it, they can. And again, if they don't, if they don't, the, the new guy will benefit. You'll benefit from being able to talk more effectively to the new guy. Okay, so so there's really two audiences. You're preparing it for your existing, your current boss to use in outbriefing her replacement. Right. And regardless of whether she uses it or not, you can then use it in your discussions with your new boss when he or she arrives. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Good. And and how many times have you felt like your new boss uh, comes in or somebody comes in to discuss something with you, you knew it was going to happen. Maybe it's a transition of one of your peers or whatever, and you feel like you handle a couple of things well, but not everything well, right? Why is that? I'd bet 90% of the time it's because a person didn't spend even 10 or 15 or 20 minutes getting ready for that conversation. So this is the preparatory steps, the organizational effort you need to go through to, or the effort you need to go to to organize your thoughts so that when you present, when you communicate, you're clear. And it's you're always going to communicate more effectively the second time you communicate any set of ideas. You're going to understand the structure, you're going to understand how it sounds, and so on. So this is a, in a way, this is a, this is a written rehearsal of what amounts to what could be a verbal briefing. Right. Well, I think the surprising part there is, is preparing it for your existing boss, for your current boss, right? I, I think most folks get the idea of, okay, I have a new boss coming on board. I want to prepare so I can impress her. But the idea of helping your, your boss, who's already basically decided <laughs> she, she doesn't want anything to do with you anymore because she's leaving and going somewhere else, the idea that you would help your outgoing boss yeah. with her professionalism when, she, when she's leaving and brief, briefing her replacement, I think that'll be different for some folks. Yeah, I, okay. I, I agree. And yet, if you think about it from an organizational perspective, it's just as easy as pie, right? I mean, if we're preparing a budget for next year, it's but budgets get prepared every year. You, you, you may have to very well provide some input, right? If we're preparing a strategic plan, maybe you provide some input. If your manager is thinking about training for next year, he or she may ask you, what training do you want to go to? And you'll provide input. Well, this is a transition. You're providing the input that your boss needs to make the transition effective. Now, 90% of the people, 95% of the people who are listening would say, no boss has ever asked that of me before. And our response is, yeah, but the good ones do it. Or maybe the good ones don't ask their directs for it. The, the good ones do it without their direct input because the good ones are thinking about, the good managers are thinking about it all the time. But if you're saying to yourself right now, I've never seen this done. I don't know. Does this make sense? You're right. It's, it's pretty rare. And when you do it, there's two possibilities. Your man, I, I suppose there's three. One is your, your boss doesn't even care. Or the other extremes is the, your boss says, I don't need this. I don't, why are you doing this? Nobody's ever done this. Before. Well, look, okay, fine. Your boss, your present boss, isn't going to benefit from it and give it to the, to the new incoming boss. Fine. But you will be much better prepared to interact with your new incoming boss based on the work we're going to recommend. The other side of the coin, of course, is that, that your outgoing boss says, oh, my gosh, this is fabulous. And you might be a little bit hated that one of your peers goes, are you the guy that came up with this idea that we're having to brief on? Yeah, but if you want to leave your your 
outgoing boss with a lasting impression, right, of how professional right. you are because yeah. she's going somewhere else. And yeah, who, who, yeah. who knows what opportunities right. come down the road. Uh, this is one way to do it. The very last thing you do for her is this just the ultimate professional thing to do. And you know there are VPs all over the world who say, yeah, this is pretty standard. The, the CEO is leaving or the group head is leaving. And well, we've got, I'm going to have to brief the new group head. So let's put together a deck. Let's put together a briefing. We got to get our ducks in a row. Explain what's going on. Be prepared to defend your budgets. That's just how it yep. works. You and I have done this dozens of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what's in this handover document? What are the, what are the components? Okay. Let me give you a quick overview and then we'll go back through each one in detail. You need a project status update. You need an external relationships overview. You need a calendar and a meetings overview. You need a team performance overview if you're a manager. You need a status objectives document. And you need your resume. You're kidding. Okay, that's, that's the high level. I got like two weeks to do this. Can this be done? Yeah, sure. Okay. Look, okay. Right. Now, right. I'll touch on a point. We'll come back. We're going to say this point again because I know people tune in and out at various times of podcasts. In fact, I remember talking recently uh, um, to two people talking about the exact same cast. They happened to sit next to each other at a conference, and they actually said, they both of them said, oh, our favorite cast is this particular one. I had mentioned pre-wire, and they said, oh, it's our favorite cast. They both said, oh, my, you're kidding. Sitting next to each other, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, totally, it's my favorite. And the guy says, you're kidding. I love that, dude. It's my favorite. So we started talking about it, and I said, well, you remember when I said this? And one of them said, oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. And the other guy says, no, I don't remember that. And then like 10 minutes later, I said, well, you, well, you remember when I said this, right? And they said, the other guy says, no, I don't remember that. And the first guy says, oh, yeah, it was my favorite part, right? So we know you guys tune in and out sometimes. We totally respect that. Maybe you're turning the lawnmower or, I don't know, you're working real hard at a spin class or something. Yeah. Don't folks know they should be listening to each cast like 12 times or something? Yeah. <laughs> Don't they and then that? here we are giving them more work, right? Now, the, the point I, I want to make, we're, we're going to cover this point again, right? But there is a lot here. And we're going to tell you point blank, the stuff you're working on now that you're busy with, busyness is not the same thing as effectiveness. Once you do this once, it will get easy the next time. And all the work that you do in the transition after it, whatever amount of time you put on this document, you will save that and more in this transition, and you'll be much better at every other transition you ever have. And it's safe to assume you're going to change jobs, which means you're going to change your bosses, or you're going to change bosses at least once every two years. So in the next 10 years, you're going to use it five times, and you're going to save enough time on the first one to justify it. So it's only going to get better the four or five times after that in the next decade. Okay, so project status update is first, right? What you need to do is put together a list of your key projects. It's not, not terribly complex. We want a brief description, a, a basic understanding of their importance, their status, how, you know, green, yellow, red, so on, okay? And some next steps going forward and, and a rough idea of the timeline, okay? Now, look, if you don't have next steps, if you don't have a timeline, that ought to give you some indication of how strongly you want to be suggesting that this is really an important project, okay? You can probably do it in a brief paragraph kind of overview. You don't need an entire page on each project. Now, certainly, a big project that's $50 million, maybe in some situations you need more than a paragraph. What would be great, if you've got the right kind of status documents, you can put a brief paragraph as an overview and then just have links, uh, if it's an electronic document you're sharing, have links to the project status webpage that your firm uses to update things. 
If that page is up to date, you're covered. Please, we're not suggesting you write four to five pages describing everything that's been done in a project, okay? This is not a chance to sell a project. If a project needs to be sold, you can do that in the one-on-one. This is largely more of a, a factual representation rather than a pitch or a positioning. The one thing you're probably going to have to write even though, again, it can be brief as one or two paragraphs, and that's the rationale for the project. We have taken, or you and I both, Mike, have taken over projects before. Frankly, we're lucky to have a status of some sort when we take over the project, right? Just a status, green, yellow, red, and budget, and so on. But then we get into the project a little bit, and we realize, hey, where the heck does this fit in? What's the larger perspective of this, right? Why the, way, why the heck are we spending this much money, this much resources on this particular project? Well, and this is particularly useful for new managers coming in, right? They don't have all the organizational history. And, and that's what they're struggling with is, is context for all these things. Yeah, it's, it's not just that the, the previous boss was wrong, right? Because they're not. They weren't wrong, but as you say, it's without that context, it's hard to understand why something was being done. And so explaining the rationale gives a great deal more of the context and helps people understand. Now, I have to say, there are plenty of people who say, I don't know that I want to share the rationale for the project because it's going to be really hard to justify this. Yeah, and that's why some organizations, some of the very best organizations, don't let people stay in the same jobs for in managerial roles for five, six, seven years because there's an institutional creep and a, an inertia toward entropy that's that's not good, and people just begin to see their own justifications and don't have to justify things externally. So, if your rationale for the project bothers you, that's a good sign that maybe you need to relook at that project. Nevertheless, this is just a project status update. It is not a justification for everything. The rationale should not be seen as a passionate defense of the project, but rather a rationale for it. And the new boss, if it's your project, the new boss gets their say, obviously. Good. What's next? External relationships. New bosses come in, and all they probably know in many cases is just their team. They don't know outside of the team how things are working and so on. Is it everyone? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, what we need is a list of key contacts, and particularly customers if, in fact, they're external to the team, with a brief description about the strength of the relationship, the status of the relationship, if you will. It doesn't have to be everybody, just the key ones, right? Your call, who's key and who's not. Doesn't take very long. A list of names, their title, their role or their relationship to the team, and a paragraph about why they're important and what you're working with them on. If somebody external to your team is close to you organizationally, make note of those people who you have particularly good relationships with. And the converse is true as well, right? If I have a difficult time with somebody and the person is just a real jerk, this is the time to prepare my boss for the jerks over in marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> good good example there at the end. No, actually not. We no. don't recommend. No, we don't recommend you describe relationships. You're such a good straight guy. I got to <laughs> tell you. 
he really does know all these answers. That's the thing. You, it takes just a lot of uh, confidence just to act as people are going to say, Mike just really doesn't know anything. Does yeah, he's pretty, yeah, he's pretty much an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't think that, folks. So d- don't describe relationships that are difficult. Don't say anything negative about anybody else in this document, okay? Almost nobody else is going to do this work. I'm not talking about just the relationship part, but what we're recommending in this cast in general. It's going to surprise your boss. This document that you're creating is going to be shared. Even if people think it's a grand idea, being negative about others in writing in your own organization (laughs) is generally a bad enough idea that the fact that it's within a good idea doesn't save you. That is going to get to that person and it's not going to help you one darn bit. Yeah, a bad idea is kind of a little understatement <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's a, a career and career limiting move yeah. yeah i would yeah it could be i've seen it i've seen it yeah happen. okay and if you're an individual contributor folks and you have no quote external to the team unquote relationships you ought to be worried about the strength of your professional network this is not to suggest that we're recommending you share your entire external network in this document but if you don't have any external relationships with the team, there, there are some cases where that would be true, but it's not very likely. And if you don't have anybody, you ought to be asking yourself, okay, if I don't work with anybody outside of my team and I don't have anybody in my network that I can share, you ought to start building your network. Yeah. And you got two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And the next piece, uh, calendar and meetings overview. I assume you're just talking about a list of standing meetings with kind of a brief description of what they're about and kind of yeah. relevant details, when they are, how long, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and frankly, brief is the word. If it's obvious from the title of the meeting what it's about, that's, you know, a sentence or two. That's it. Frankly, think about it. The new guy comes in. He doesn't know why you're always gone on Project X. And your old boss never told him that you're responsible for it. And he, frankly, he doesn't even know what Project X is unless you've done this other work as well. And imagine you go to two or three weeks worth of meetings and he says to you, where are you Tuesday afternoons? So I'm working on Project X. Well, he's never heard of Project X. Nobody briefed him on Project X. It happens to be something that's outside of the division, but very important to the company. And, and the senior people haven't thought, new guy down there, got to go give my, my guy uh, cover, air cover, you know. And suddenly your boss, two or three weeks later, is saying, what, what is, um, wh- wh- where are you on Tuesday afternoons? And you say, oh, I'm working on Project X. And you assume he knows, and he doesn't, and he's already irritated. And then what's worse is you then go, well, I'm working on this big company project. He realizes he has no power to change it. He realized now he's wrong to be angry. And now he feels powerless about it. And now he feels like he should have known and he didn't. Not good. Not, I mean, not good at all. Yeah. And folks, don't make the mistake of thinking that this uh, calendar meeting overview only consists of the topic of the meetings and when the meetings are. It is terribly important to managers, particularly executives, as to who is attending these meetings. Yep, exactly. Uh, particularly if they show up in your external relationships overview, you know, highlight those folks. If you're meeting with them, your boss should know that specifically. Yeah. If you're doing one-on-ones, if you're a manager, you want them to know not to step on your one-on-ones. Okay. Okay. Next is team performance overview, right? If you're a manager, prepare a document that gives a brief review of the responsibilities and strengths of your team members. You don't need to include weaknesses yet unless they're really a significant part of the person's performance because let's say somebody is maybe in late stage coaching, for instance. 
basically just this just tells your new boss the names on your team, honestly. Much more than that is going to be wasted. She's going to be swamped. Probably not have the time or the interest to go two levels deeper in an organization. She's just trying to keep the people on her team straight, and you're one of them. You also want to give her an objectives status, a quick one-pager, a review of what you're on the hook for this year. Best place to look at it, most professionally managed organizations would be in your performance review or in your your, uh, development planning, uh, performance planning document for this year. Certainly, that would be the easy thing to do and then just provide some annotations on it. I'm always amazed at how people feel they need to recreate a document and make it look pretty and make it do this and make it do that. When, in fact, I can think of really, really great strategic discussions that were had that just had five notes written in the border of a couple of PowerPoint slides and that were written on the back of some printed versions of some PowerPoint decks. And it's just handwritten. So don't make it pretty. If you've got a performance management tracking system, use that, make some notes on it, give a quick update. If you want to put a one-page typed document on the front of it, that's fine. Yeah, and for God's sake, for some of you who are kind of detail-oriented, uh, there's other ways to describe that. I'll just leave it as detail-oriented. Don't let the fact that you can't make this perfect prevent you from doing it at all. Yeah. Man, that happens a lot. Yeah, and look, you're going to be wrong the first time you do this because there's no right answer. And for some of us, the definition of right is exactly correct according to some perfect plan. And so, therefore, you're going to be wrong. And no one else is doing it, so how can you be right? The question is not how much less than perfect you are because it's going to be different the next time you do it. So, you're not going to get perfect the next time either. Uh, The question is not how far from perfect you are, but rather how much better off are you, your boss, and the organization in that you're being clear and brief with the basic information that he or she needs. Yeah, this is a case where you can be really successful just being less bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, I mean, how many times have we said in the land of the blind, the the one-eyed manager is king, right? There you go. Yeah. I mean, we've said before, manager tools is not designed to make every single person a perfect manager. Or, in fact, even a great manager. We're trying to help all managers be acceptably good. And frankly, if you're acceptably good, based on the status of management in most places, you're going to be quite good, relatively speaking. Last point on on this part is your resume. Look, take a minute, update your resume. Internal transitions like this, right, where a new boss comes into an existing team, are often where your historical information is lost. If your old boss hired you, she knew why she hired you. She looked at your resume and interviewed you based on your resume. Maybe there was always a tacit agreement between her and you that you would, in your next role or project, get to use your design abilities or your people management experience or your project management skills or your financial acumen that you're not using now. But the new boss doesn't know that unless they see your resume. And it's, it's not a function of marketing yourself. It's helping your new boss understand the skills that you have to bring to bear for the organization. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this cast up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.